You're listening to the Bags and Platt Podcast. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Bags and Platt Podcast. Very excited to talk sports with you today on July 21st, 2020. How you doing, Michael? I'm good, man. I'm getting ready for baseball. Oh, am I excited. Last night, just seeing the players on the field, even though there was no one in the seats, I didn't care at all. Um, I'm probably going to assume that you didn't care either. But I have to say, the Cole Scherzer, Thursday night, national television, I think people will be diving back in real quick. Could be a World Series preview. Any thoughts on the Yankees, Platt, or the first game? What are you thinking these days? I mean, I'm just excited to watch a sporting event that's not ping pong related like we talked about last time or no offense. I love soccer, but it's not premier soccer league, just a U.S. sport, a real sport that I followed since I was a kid, since you were a kid. And I'm I'm so excited to see what the Yankees are going to do this year. And yes, it's a shame that we're not going to get a full season. Yes, it's a shame that we're not going to have fans in the seats. But just to be able to watch a baseball game and see Cole versus Scherzer opening night Fauci's throwing out the first pitch I'm beyond excited yeah Platt I'm actually sitting behind one of my favorite photos of murderers row and I have to tell you I haven't been this excited about a lineup because last year there was never a healthy lineup and they did a great job Aaron Boone did a great job managing but if they're gonna start hitting like they're hitting in these couple games this this lineup has zero weakness uh, if they do run into an injury problem like last year, I think they're, I think they're going to be okay. Um, the only thing I'm worried about is Judge being so hot right now because that guy can get hurt in the showers, you know. And if him and Stanton can stay healthy, which is both, which is hard for both of them, in 60 games, maybe they play 50 games. If we can just keep him on a field for 50 games, I think it's the best lineup in baseball. And I, I expect not only a division title, but a World Series appearance. I'm not going to tell you that they're going to win yet, but with this lineup, it's going to be hard, hard not to win. I'm going to say, I know Vegas has it at 38 and a half. I'm going to say at least 40 and 20, um, but they're stacked, Mike. You, you know, you, you never know what's going to happen over the course of a regular season. I agree 100%. But if there's any year where we should see Yankees-Dodgers, this is the year. It's a shame that there won't be any fans. And I know we've talked about this, and obviously it's going to be on everyone's radar all year. But that World Series, because the Dodgers do have – they're probably the one lineup in baseball. Like, the Yankees should cruise through the AL, and that's not a New York bias statement. It just it is what it is. I know Tampa's going to be feisty. I know the White Sox are up and coming. I know the Twins are pretty good. I know Tampa's got a good staff, and there'll be some challenges along the way. And like you touched on, you have to stay healthy, and this is a unique situation because what happens if Garrett Cole comes down with COVID, and he's out, and it starts going through the team? You have lots of injuries like they did last year. But the Dodgers, to me, are the one team on paper, lineup-wise, that can at least compete with the Yankees and obviously Kershaw has been a little cursed come playoff time but the Yankees Dodgers World Series would be epic this year given everything we've been through from a sports perspective and lack of sports you think the advertisers want Yankees Dodgers pot 
I think everybody wants Yankees Dodgers and I know uh, there are other markets that'll say the Yankees and Dodgers get all the press but this year if, if any year we're, we're lined up for it and, and quite honestly I'm a big Aaron Boone fan they have no excuse barring COVID running rampant through the clubhouse of them not making as you said the World Series this year there, there's no there's nobody competitively who is even in the same world except for maybe Houston who they outside of they actually benefit the most of having no fans because they're going to deal with no repercussions after the nonsense that they pulled oh they're loving that they're loving that so right off the bat with 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 the Nationals I actually think the Nationals with this short season and they're very young they got a couple stars but the staff with Strasburg and Scherzer I think they might be my second favorite to win it um, behind the Dodgers. The Yankees start out with Washington for three games. Then they play Philly for four and Boston for two. Now that's a tough little stretch. You don't want to, you don't want to see the Nationals right away, but hey, that, that's what it, that's what it is. But then as I look at September, they play Baltimore, uh, four times, Toronto, seven times, uh, Tampa Bay and Boston, and then three games with Miami. If they got off to a hot start, Platt, that September schedule is like gold on paper. I don't see them, you know, maybe losing a few times in the whole month. Uh, I know Toronto's feisty. They got a lot of up-and-comers. Um, you know, Vlad Jr. They got, they're going to be feisty like, you, like, like Tampa is. I agree with that. But that schedule in September, wow. Yeah, I mean, they just have to get through the first week or two of the season. And the Phillies will be tougher now with Girardi there. And the Nationals, I know a few of the you know the players aren't playing this year because of everything that's going on health-wise. So they start out a little behind the eight ball. But if the Yankees can get through the first two weeks of the season, like you touched on, their schedule is pretty easy. And granted, we're talking about paper, so you never know. But they sure. should be in great shape coming down the stretch. And as I said before, there's no reason why they should, they should win the A at least, but I don't know what Vegas has at, but eight, nine, ten games, they should finish in front of Tampa, who again, I know is good, but you know, they're, them and the, and they joke, the, them and the Orioles are the two teams that are used to playing with nobody in their, in their <laughs> stadium. So they're going to be used to it. And it's going to be, look, it's going to be interesting to see what that does to the game in terms of how teams respond and react to that. We talked last time a team comes up, they're trailing three, two in the ninth inning, they're playing at home and it's just crickets. And yes, you're going to have crowd noise coming through the, through the stadium, which is going to be self-imposed and isn't going to sound right. But you know, the players are just gonna have to be really focused and determined and make the most of it. Yeah. You know, there's going to be a couple surprises too. I know people are liking San Diego Padres. Um, Petco doesn't usually get a lot of fans either, so uh, they'll, they'll be used to that. Now, the short season is going to have the door open for a small little dark horse team. I don't have it. I'm not going to make a prediction. But just say, let's say in the first 10 games, one of the better teams in the league go 3-7, and 4-6. Uh, and six. Like All of a sudden, there's 50 games left, and you're under 500 already. I want to see, and, and at least, I, I mean, obviously we're, we're Yankee fans. I want to see somebody like uh, a Brewer team, you know, maybe a Cubs. Some team get out of the gate that's really not supposed to be there. And I got to tell you, I don't think it's going to be that hard if you get, you know, you, how about you go five and one, all of a sudden, you know, you can go on a little roll, and next thing you know, 
you're in uh, mid-August and you're looking at a possible playoff berth. And I just think it makes it a lot more exciting. And I have, I have one thought in my mind. We actually might even get used to this and enjoy this confined season. Because I'll tell you what, 162 games, even though we love baseball, it's a lot of games. And the average fan sometimes probably doesn't want to tune in on a Tuesday night like we do and watch every game. You might see some, uh, a cool story come out of this season where you get a team that hasn't been in the playoffs in a while. Maybe it's the Royals, okay? And all of a sudden, they got a shot to win it all because this, the season was shortened. They got a smaller payroll, but they had a couple guys step up. And then that next thing you know, you got a pitcher that goes, let's see, they'll get about 12 starts. All of a sudden, there's a guy going, you know, nine and one. And all of a sudden, you get the average baseball fan back in the game. Well, you're 100% right. This could have some really unique effects on how people watch and interpret the game. And you're not going to have that drag that the season takes forever. And the casual fans who go in and out, best case scenario, might just be in for the entire season. And you're going to have this is definitely going to be interesting. And it's going to be like that across all the sports as of right now who are changing, obviously, what we've been used to for 100 years or whatever in terms of how the season's been, how the playoffs have been, how the finals unfolds. This is going to be very interesting to see if you can actually get some new fans into the game and keep people attentive towards baseball, which outside of the playoffs, the ratings have not been great over the years. And the sport has been you know, a little bit on the backseat. I know it obviously had a big resurgence with McGuire and Sosa years back after the strike, but, you know, it's not top of mind. Kids aren't running to play baseball. It's not the number one sport in the country. It's America's pastime, but let's see what this does to it. And you know what I'm really anxious to see? I want to see where that feisty team, the Toronto Blue Jays, ends up playing their home games this year because I heard a rumor that it might be Buffalo. And talk about <laughs> a shitty situation if that happens. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm glad you brought up other sports because I wanted to transition into the NFL. Although this is a national podcast, the first stadium to shut down fans is, of course, MetLife in our backyard in New York City. What do you think about no fans in an NFL stadium that seats 80,000, not even have a couple thousand or even 10? How do you feel about no fans and the owners losing a lot of dough? Well, it's, it's not going to, these guys are greedy as hell and you know that. So it's definitely not going to sit well with them. I find it interesting that they're saying until further notice. So they're trying to leave some wiggle room. But oh, I think okay. the one thing we've seen, not getting political, but the one thing we've seen is this is taking longer to flush through than anybody thought. So I don't think anybody anticipated that we'd be talking about football with no fans, but that's exactly where we are. And sadly, you can't expect people to be responsible and wear a mask at a football game because people are going to be hammered and throwing down beers and drinking. Masks are going to be off. There's just no way they can allow it. So th to think that you're going to do social distancing at football games and having fans with masks on, there's no shot. So it, it, that is going to be, you know, we should talk about like what the toughest sport is going to be to watch with no fans. I think the NFL is going to be really, really difficult. And I think they're going to need to come up with new camera angles because you can't see an empty stadium. I just can't imagine a team playing defense with, with the stadium dead quiet. I mean, they talked about all the adjustments you're going to have to the game. Teams aren't going to have to have, you know, the silent count and things of that nature because there's going to be no crowd noise. It's going to, it's going to have an interesting impact. And as a fan, to watch it is definitely going to be different. 
Yeah, Boomer Sison. Uh, well, Boomer Sison mentioned this morning that they're coming up with virtual fans, where oh, it's come gonna, on. It's, it, I know it's going to look like there's people in there, and they adapted it because the NFL, when they used uh, the red zone and the first down graphic that you're familiar with, they can actually put fans in the stands that aren't there. So, from a fan, I mean, usually you have a wide angle. And you don't really see um, the fans when they're going left to right uh, on the screen. So we we love the noise. I mean, I can't I can't imagine watching a game at Arrowhead and not hearing anything. I I mean, I usually watch two TVs at one time. One's muted, and I can still love it because you do see the fans and you see the crowds and, and you know. But you mentioned before alcohol. There's no way you can have drunk people in a stadium socially distancing. When we're back to the New York Stadium, you tell Jet fans to social distance if they're getting blown out by the Bills, forty-one nothing. Good luck. They start fires. Yeah. <laughs> There's no shot it's happening, and and I think the league owners are going to have issues with this. And you're going to the NFL seems like they're shocked that there's still COVID because they seem like they're not even remotely ready to have the conversation as to how they're going to have a season with everything that's going on. And they're the one sport that's had months to prepare for this. So yeah. Yeah. And, and sticking with the NFL plat, they didn't need a black guy down in Washington. They did oh, not need this. They have enough problems. Yep. And they, they just, you know, obviously there was, there, there was a lot of turmoil down there when owners, first of all, it's probably one of the greatest things is to own an NFL football team. It's, it's you just make so much money. And owners were opting out and selling their shares because they found out what was going on. And they know it's, it's very uh, disorganized down there. And I'll tell you what, Goodell can really make himself look even worse if they don't really handle this Washington thing. Because they've already kind of said, well, 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 we'll put an investigation in. We'll wait to see what Washington uh, provides us. And people are already getting on him. And for... for a $20 billion industry, profit per year, they did not need no, no fans. And I feel like the players are gonna get, uh, are gonna have to take pay cuts. Yeah, they're gonna have to. And the situation in DC is horrific. You know, if everything you read is true, what Snyder did, what, what Gruden did, he was sleeping with the same girl as one of the running backs. I mean, who knows if all <laughs> of this is true or not, but. I mean, I'm a Redskin fan and have been since I was two years old, and I'm embarrassed by the situation. And I have to deal with Daniel Snyder and James Dolan in New York. So I have two of the worst sports owners on the planet, and I'm a fan of, of their team. So it, it's been challenging to say the least, but they have to get this fixed. And Goodell doesn't have a good track record of dealing with situations like this. If you think about it, three, four years ago, Kaepernick was the biggest villain in sports. And now, you know, Goodell sitting there saying, because of everything that happened with Black Lives Matter, is that he should be on a team and he should be he should be given a shot now. I mean, he's done a total 180 and they're trying to save face. The league has a lot of hurdles and the D.C. situation is toxic as hell right now so hopefully ron rivera can help to get it fixed and they can have a name change and they can work on the brand and they can get that organization figured out because it is just embarrassing yeah they just hired an nbc anchor to do their radio obviously it's a, uh, it's a woman and they gave her a front office position as well uh, so they're going to do everything they can and by the way since we've known each other so long i'd like to verify for the audience that you do still have a gary clark 84 jersey 
Is that Dude, correct? Clark Sanders and Monk, man. They were the, they were the, that was a great trio. Those, oh, those were the great. days we actually made the playoffs and won a Super Bowl or two. It was fun to watch. And I feel bad for the kids now who haven't seen them decent because it's, it, they're a great city when football is good. Unfortunately, they've been it's, horrific it, for the it, past it used 20 years. To, it, yeah, it used to be like the Giants plat when they had a 25-year waiting list for season tickets, and it was a prestigious, prestigious place to go to RFK back in the day. Um, and I was just thinking about this, Platt. What about the Super Bowl with no fans and no halftime show and not the event that we've been used to? Do you, do, you, do you think they can really go down the road of having the Super Bowl with no fans and the whole two-week wait for a buildup of probably the number one rated sports event um, in the country, not the world, because the World Cup usually gets that. But can you actually see having a Super Bowl Sunday with an empty stadium? Well, with the way that- the NFL deals with things, they'll they'll address it like a month before and be like, oh, shit, we got to figure out the Super Bowl. We didn't think about that. But, yeah, I mean, to answer your question, I don't know what you do, because if you're the city of Tampa Bay, you don't want to host the game this year. There's nothing to host. You, you're, yeah. you could play this game at a, at a high school football field, and, and something like that might actually be cooler for them to do, because if there are going to be no fans, it, it's ridiculous to have this epic event and this epic lead lead up to nothing and just a, a regular game with no flyover and no fans and the fanfare and the weeks leading up to it and all the craziness that goes on. Uh, they're going to have to, just like every other league, they're going to have to pivot and figure out something cool and unique to do. And I don't know what it's going to be yet, but they really need to start thinking about that now because Florida, as you know, is a hotbed at the moment. Hopefully that changes, but you're not going to be able to have a Super Bowl in Tampa Bay given everything that's going on at the moment. Yeah, there's a lot of unlucky people in the country right now. And, but Tampa, <laughs> they pretty much put all their marbles in the basket for this Super Bowl, trying to win it and win it in their own stadium. The whole city is probably looking forward to this, but it, it will be interesting. It'll be very, very interesting. Uh, since we're both golfers, Platt, we got to at least discuss the John Romp thing last week. I am really okay with no fans on a golf event. They're, they're, you know, it's not like it's Tiger at the Masters in early 2000s, late 90s. You don't hear the roar like at a Ryder Cup on a regular, on a regular tournament on a PGA. We don't really hear the crowd, maybe till like the back nine anyway. So I'm perfectly okay with, with no fans at the golf events. The Ryder Cup, however, does need fans, and that's why they moved it. But since you're an avid golfer, John Rahm... <clears throat> I think was supposed to call himself out if something happens like that. However, he didn't. But Brandon Chambly brings up a great point. He brings up if the player doesn't call it on himself because he can claim he didn't see it or didn't feel it, but the TV cameras were going down a tough road. And Brandon Chambly said it could be dangerous if we're going to have someone from their couch calling up saying they saw it on the camera. And then you have to put, put the ball in the player's court and say, hey, did that happen? And he could actually say no. And then are you relying on uh, high definition television and a guy on his couch saying it moved? Because we all know it's a game of etiquette. 
He should be calling himself, however he did a couple years ago from what I've heard, he called himself out. But what are your thoughts on TV and a guy on the couch having an impact on the winner of a PGA Tour event that's $1.6 million and not even knowing till after the round that he's been penalized? It's the only sport that I think that could even that you can even think about this happening in. And they have to figure something out with a replay review, some, you know, somebody in Georgia or someplace that's going to be watching. I know. How do you watch every single player? How do you watch everything? Oh, like, the, boot, like the people in New York, you mean? Yeah. You For need, like hockey you, and stuff. Yeah, you're going to need something centralized if this is going to happen more often because that is freaking wild that somebody from their couch, like, where do you even find that number? Do you Google PJ Hotline? How do you even call? Exactly, exactly. Who do you call? I know. I have no idea. And I mean, I'm, in, I'm like half napping when I'm watching that stuff. So even if I saw something, and I'm not like a rule, I don't know all the rules. When I play with my friends, I'm like, can I drop it over here? The, even though I'm a big golfer, I don't like the whole rule book thing. And we go play with people who are like super into the money games about like, you know, right. what the rules are. I'm like, dude, I have no idea. Someone tell me what we're supposed to do and just tell me where to hit the ball. Right, exactly. And, and it's, a fr- it's more of a friendly game. Now, Getting back to uh, the Ryder Cup, there's been a lot of talk about uh, Patrick Reed, they hate him, blah, blah, blah. Do you think the Ryder Cup absolutely needed the fans? Because I think they do, just because I think, I think it's a lot of money. I think it's very money-driven. But I think the fans kind of make it a better event where you know, there's sometimes they're heckling Sergio and Rory. And then when we go to Europe, they, they heckle our guys. And sometimes we've made asses out of ourselves, to tell you the truth. And the sportsmanship yep. kind of loses a little lust. But um, I think that moving that event was the right thing. Do you agree? I agree. I think at an event like that where you have you know a home continent that has advantage and the fans are so passionate and into it, I think you need the fans there. But I completely agree with you. On a regular PGA Tour event, I don't need fans there. I'm fine yep. without some jackass yelling "baba booey" when someone drives the ball. I don't need to hear that. And exactly. yeah, the roars of the Tiger years past are gone now. So maybe it's a little weird for the players to get adjusted to. But I'm fine watching golf with no fans there. But I think for for what you asked about, I think you're absolutely right. I think they had to move it. I think you know you, you have to have fans at an event like that because there's just too much passion, whether it's here, whether it's overseas, that the fans bring to it, and that's what that event's all about. It's the only time where it's not really just about the individual players. It's about a country or a continent or whatever the case may be. Yeah. So yep. I'm fine with that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. What do you think about the heavy hitters uh, like Rom winning last week and DeChambeau winning? Is this becoming um, who can hit the ball farthest or will there ever be? I know Spieth doesn't hit it far and I know Trevino was more of a shape artist with his ball. Um, is this gonna just become um, a Mark McGuire, Sosa, 1998, let's, let's get bigger and bigger and hit farther and farther and until maybe we get shut down for a positive test? Because it's nice to see, you know, a Bernard Langer throughout the years at probably, um, he's around our height, maybe 160 pounds, and he's got two Masters jackets. Uh, it's nice to see someone who's not 6'5", 
like a DJ and a DeChambeau. And, um, you know, there's been some other big guys, Daly and Stu Sink. And I know Floyd used to hit it hard. But it's if it becomes a game where it's going to be about weightlifting, these courses are just going to have to make them longer and longer. And I think that might weed out some players who, who might have had a future on the tour. I know I don't hit it that far. Um, but getting in the middle of the fairway these days, Mike, I, I don't even know if it's – if, if, if they're celebrating a fairway shot because they might be 60 yards behind one of the Giants. You're, you're, I think you have to, they're going to have to react. Like I feel like they did when Tiger came up back in the day and he was crushing the ball and they started reacting with the courses, either making them longer or making them more creative or making adjustments. They're going to have to do it because you are, you are witnessing a Maguire-Sosa thing going on right now and everybody loves the long ball and the home run and everybody loves watching these guys smack the hell out of the ball off the tee and hit it with you know 200 mile swing per hour, whatever he's up to now. I mean, it's absurd, but he's absolutely crushing the ball. So they are gonna have to do something to these courses at some point because it's absurd watching these guys hit driver and a 60 degree wedge into a 550 yard par four. I mean, that's yeah, I don't yes. know how it's humanly possible. Yes, and Faldo was kind of, because it was Jack's course and Jack was on the air a lot last week, Faldo started laughing because Phil Mickelson, who, by the way, just turned 50, okay? You're supposed to be a, supposed to be on a Yeah. Supposed to be on a decline at 50. He hit a drive. Granted, it was, you know, the surface was, was a little hard, and he got over the hill, and it took a nice bounce, maybe a 60, 70 yards in the, on the ground. It was, I think, 424. Now, you're 50 years old, and you hit a drive 424, and like you said, you got a 60... And you know his short game. He's got a 60-degree wedge into a, a par four. Sometimes they're eight, nine iron into a par five. I'm sorry. There's no way. I mean, Justin Thomas is a little guy. And these guys, like Fowler even hits it far. But this guy's 50 years old, hitting over 400 yards. I mean, what do you if you look in the future, can that ever be beat? Is the technology just going to keep advancing and advancing? Yeah, I mean they're gonna have to do they're gonna have to tweak these courses. I don't know how you do that because it seems like so Dog much legs. work and thought. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to start changing things up because it's just it's just too big of an advantage. And like you said, you know, like I I play I drive the ball two fifty off the tee. When I play with someone, my brother in law is a scratch golfer, he's seventy yards in front of me. And it, first of all, not yep. only is it is it almost unfair, but it's also like getting kicked in the nuts. I mean, it's disheartening when you're 50 yards behind another guy. I don't care how good your short game is, but it gets to a point where you're like, where does this stop? Like these guys are crushing the ball right now. And it makes an avid fan feel like you can't even play. Now, Platt, you played Pebble, correct? Once, yeah. Okay. Can you do that at Pebble or do you have to be way straight and very creative and not just be a bomber? Because there's certain courses that they'll probably want to hold majors at that aren't like, um, I don't want to say Beth Page because the rough's a joke there. But if you get a course that doesn't have, you know, the pebble layout, like on the Pacific, and there's, there's even a, a hole that's 102 yards. There's one at Marion that's, that's very short. Do you think that those courses will be... Uh, ever lengthened or do they have enough where they can sustain a big big hitter and just and go 20 under in an open 
Great question. And I don't, I, I mean, I haven't been there and I know you have. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't remember every hole, like some people who are avid golfers, even though I was there, it was like a five and a half hour round of golf and you're just right. not even worried about golfing. You're just taking in the scenery and everything <laughs> going on. But I will say from like, even watching the masters, I mean, Augusta is one place where like, you don't, the long guys don't necessarily have the advantage, right? Like you don't need the hit driver on every hole. You have to be creative with your shot making. And I think that real golf fans enjoy that kind of course better than watching these guys you know we're getting local now but play at Hackensack I watch Tim play there every every hole is 500 yards dead straight it's whoever hits the ball longer is in the best shape no bunkers in front either right so I mean at some point I think the beauty of golf is not just everybody driving the ball 450 500 yards you you want a dog leg you want a guy who you might have to hit a five iron off a tee and then an eight iron to the right off that dog leg so the game is going to have to adapt if these guys are going to be bombing the ball like that. They're going it, it, it's going to have to. But you have people who are, you know, casual fans who love to watch it, and that's the challenge they're going to have is they're going to have a new audience coming in because these guys are absolutely crushing the ball now. And then it's how do you dial it back and say, well, you know what, that's great, but we need guys who can play finesse golf too. So yeah, they got I agree. A lot to deal with. I agree, Platt. I think Augusta has done a pretty good job at their adjustments because they knew, number one, they knew they had to after Woods went like 20 under. Um, but I think Augusta's done a good job because they also have to because they host a major every year. Not every course has that on their shoulders. True. Um, I wanted to talk to you about whether or not you're gonna dive into the NBA. I know I'm definitely gonna get into the NHL right away, especially with the Rangers. Do you think you could, can you get into the NBA right now? Do you have that feeling? Because with baseball starting, I don't know if I'm going to be tuning in. I, I just don't know. I know they're in a bubble in Orlando. What are your thoughts on really diving in as an average NBA fan for like eight games until the playoffs starts? And do you think Silver and Bettman have done a pretty good job with, with their planning so far and the lack of positive tests? I think Silver is like the, no pun intended, the gold standard for commissioners right now. He, from everything I've read, the NBA players have said that the bubble scenario has been a very, a very solid experience for them. They're building the barber shop. Sleepaway camp, right? Yeah, it's sleepaway (laughs) camp. And and the players are going to probably enjoy, because from what I've read, they're going to be able to watch the other players' games and sit in the stands for that. Very much like an AAU or a rec league kind of feel. And I think that for me, great, like, great not, concept, great concept. And I saw what the court's going to look like today and, and they're not making it look like it's an empty stadium. They're going to have, you know, they have banners and stuff up all over the place and it's got a unique feel to it. So I don't know how hockey is going to adjust to that. And I'm excited to watch the NHL and the two bubble cities and it's going to be fun to watch hockey. But it's interesting that you asked because you said NBA first and the, or hockey first and then NBA second. I have a harder time watching hockey when it's 91 degrees out. Now I know what the Florida fans feel like during the year, like watching a Ranger game when it's 92 and it's like, do I go to the beach or do I watch a Ranger game at one o'clock? That's a whole, normally <laughs> it's dark at four o'clock and you're like, all right, I'm going to watch the hockey game tonight, even as a diehard Rangers fan. But I'm actually very interested to see how the NBA is going to look and feel without the crowd, doing it the way they're doing it. I think Silver, again, has done an amazing job from everything you've read and everything we've heard. We're not there firsthand, obviously, but he's done a phenomenal job with the setup and the players all seem to be really happy now. Are they going to control this as 
people are coming in and out of the bubble. I mean, not going there, but these they're talking about these guys. Their girlfriends are going to be coming in and out. And it, it's going to be interesting to watch the dynamic of how that flows. Hockey, I don't think you'll have as, as hard of a challenge there. But, you know, one of, the, one of the cities is Edmonton. Edmonton is not a city you want to be in, period. Summer, winter, fall, spring. There, it's a mining town. There's nothing going on there. So these players are going to have nothing to do but play hockey. So it's going to be very interesting to see how both of them play out. I'm, I'm actually excited to watch the NBA. What about you? You know, I think I'm so deprived of sports that I started watching cornhole and started watching Bundesliga, German soccer. I think I'm so ready to watch anything that I might dive into the NBA first night. Just to see it. I mean, you don't, listen, you got the Lakers, you got LeBron. All of a sudden, as a big time sports fan, and I love sports just like you do, I don't see myself never turning the channel on to Bravo Channel or Netflix if there is a playoff game in the, in the United States of America right now after I don't know how many months now, maybe five months of zero sports. I think I'm going to dive into about anything right now. I even watched some ping pong uh, during this whole COVID uh, thing. So I'm, uh, uh, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna dive into just about anything you put on right now, since uh, since it's, we, we've we've gone pretty low, and um, you know our wives may not like us leaving the room and making letting them watch their. Uh, there, Listen, you know. they, they've had five months, <laughs> yes. four or five months of, of us taking Bravo and every reality yep. show and every Netflix show you can imagine and consuming them. So we should have a little wiggle room here to watch a little sports and especially. I even, well, I even watched Outer Banks. It's like a 90210. I watched Outer Banks. Uh, I, I, I've watched some stuff that I didn't even hear of or know about for <laughs> the last four or five years. And I went I, in. What else are you going to do? I will say it's, it's helped me when I've been at social gatherings, even when I'm social distance and I could start talking about like this person on The Bachelor and they broke up with that person and why they go fair. Like I, I'm now more knowledgeable in my conversations. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're chipping in at dinner. Pass, pass, pass me the wine. How is Jake going to uh, treat Lara tonight on episode three? I mean, you can you could pretty much go anywhere right about now. But I'm ready for sports, man. I'm, I'm excited for the playoffs. I'm excited for baseball. And this is all going to be new and unique and different. But you know what? It's going to be great to have some form of normalcy back in terms of the sports world. And I'm imagining that DraftKings and FanDuel are probably much more excited than us that all this is going to be going down, too, because those two businesses are, are obviously been on pause since this happened for the most part. Platt. Excellent job today. I'm looking forward to sweating my you-know-what off at another Little League game tonight. Looking forward to our next podcast. Great job today. Anything you want to add? Been a pleasure. Look forward to next week. Awesome. Have a great day, everybody.